This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Landry Football Podcast. As we're here to a little bit late. Apologies for that. Never like to do that, but welcome, everybody. Um, as we've got a lot of things going on here. Uh, always good to be with you. Part of the Landry Football Podcast, part of Radio Influence. Um, a little bit late as trying to chase down the verification of what apparently is going to happen. It looks like Urban Meyer will go to Jacksonville. I have, I don't know, disputed it, or I've taken the attitude of, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, I guess it's getting ready to be uh, portrayed right in front of me. Um, I think that it is a curious decision. I mean, listen, we know Urban Meyer's success. I would question whether it's going to be successful in terms of Urban's limited experience. Well, first of all, no experience in the NFL. Uh, he's going to hire a GM who will have full control. I get a little bit of a uh, feeling of, you know, not the best move for Jacksonville, but it's certainly a a spotlight move. It's a headline move, which I think that's what they're going for in Jacksonville. I don't know. I don't know that this is the best move for Jacksonville, and I, I, don't, I, I don't know with Urban's situation – uh, clearly, if the medical part and concern medically, uh, if that was real, and I believe that it is, um, this just must be something that he aspires to do to prove himself on the NFL level, which I completely understand him wanting to do it. But word is, as we tape this show, do this show live, um, it, it does all signs are pointing towards Urban Meyer getting a deal done. I, again, I have doubted it all along. I have doubted whether it's going to happen. I, it felt to me like take it to the altar. Um, I was asked today on another show, um, is it is it uh, a foregoing conclusion that Urban's going to take? And I said, no, I, I don't. I still, until it is done and signed, I could see this being a situation uh like the Bill Parcells situation a few times where he accepted the Buccaneers job and backed out. So look, we'll see if this indeed goes through. I have no reason to doubt the reporting on it. 
And it's certainly what I'm hearing. Um, and it's not that I don't believe what I'm hearing. It's just it doesn't make as much sense to me either way as it does for other folks. But we'll we'll see how that plays out. Um, want to remind you again, you want to participate in this show, we'd love to have you. Uh, if you cannot join us in the chat room live, you can send us an email through LandryFootball.com. Send us a tweet at LandryFootball. We'll address it here. But certainly we love for those of you that join us as we take this show live um, that you can send us comments and questions that we can address right here for you. Uh, we're going to get into a couple of things today. Certainly to talk about the NFL playoffs this past weekend, this weekend. Um, got some coaching search information we're going to get to. A lot of question marks, a lot of people that are um, wanting to know about whether having um, a dominant program like Alabama is good or bad for college football. We're going to get into that. And it is all a byproduct of the biggest storyline of the week, and that is Alabama's uh, sixth national championship under Nick Saban, seventh overall for Nick Saban. And I want to kind of get into, first of all, talk a little bit about the game, but since that was so obvious and so dominant, um, I want to get into big picture, but I want to touch a little bit on the game in that. I I think that you could expect that in a year where there was distractions upon distractions upon distractions, that the program and the coach that is best able to handle distractions would do the best job in this distraction-filled year. Um. The reality is they handled it better than anybody. They played games. They played a conference schedule. They were better than everybody. They beat everybody, uh, most people handily, um, and then certainly in the playoffs in dominant fashion. Clearly the best team, unbeaten. Uh, it was a lot of um, – you know, uh, issues you're leading into the season about how many teams each conference, um, how many games each conference was going to play. The SEC playing more games. Uh, everyone was kind of in the same situation, but yet different, if that makes any sense. But dealing with all those circumstances with the large staff, and more on that in a minute, as well as um, this team with really good quarterback play, dynamic playmakers at receiver, great running back, one of the best offensive lines you're going to ever see, a defense that's got some experience that came back from last year, a lot of things going for it, and the best coach in college football history. Um, look, I, I've said this several times. What Nick Saban has done is nothing short of amazing. And I don't know anybody that, you know, obviously with my background with Saban, haven't worked with him. Um, 
I knew early on this guy was special as a head coach. I didn't think special meant was going to be the greatest college football of all time. You you don't ever think that or see that or uh, you just you just don't. But there's no question about it that what he has done to the degree that he has had success, how he's evolved and changed to adjust. You know, I say this all the time that when you're talking about coaches, great coaches, there are a lot of aspects to it. It starts with leadership. It starts with the ability to build that culture and build that, that focus and that determination. That's the key. There are a lot of guys that have good ability from an X's and O's standpoint. There's some guys that can lead. There's some guys that can recruit. To be able to do it all well is it's what makes them, well, unbeatable. In terms of they don't win every game. They don't win the title every year. But they average over the last 12 years winning a national title every other year. Uh, it's it's phenomenal. Um it's really, really impressive um, to see what they have done. Um, the reason why is because what they've built in terms of a culture, and it doesn't happen overnight, but in year three, he won his first title. He was able to put things in a position. Um, and it comes from you know, there's a certain way to do it. Uh, it wasn't as easy when he, you know, for example, when he went to Michigan State. It wasn't as easy, and it wasn't as accepted as what he said as gospel when he first went to LSU. But with success, when you demand certain things and you're successful, there's going to be a buy-in. And I think that's the th- that's the scene. That, that, that's the theme, rather. It is the buy-in, the buy-in that the players have. You can go in and you can hire people off staffs. We're going to bring in that scheme, that plan. Schemes and plans don't work. Okay, You have to cultivate that and make that work because schemes and plans evolve or modified. Now, basic premises of how you do it are going to be there, but maybe how in certain ways that you have to modify and adjust your schemes, you need somebody that is on the cutting edge. That's always looking to get better. That's always looking to challenge because the toughest thing in the world to do is to get elite people, elite coaches, elite players to buy in to this is the way we do it. And this is the way it's got to be done every day. And everybody has their role, clearly defining their role. But when you do that and do your job and you progress and advance based upon how well you do your job in that environment, your future set, player, coach, administrator, what have you. So it's the ability to sell that, but it is an easy sell when you've got the results there. But 
before the result, you had to create something to generate that result. And it is called the process for a reason, because it is just that there is a process of everything, how you do it. There's always where they're good recruiters, they get great players. Well, okay, there's a process to that. There's a process to go out and in an era where you just can't get every player, you can only sign 25 and 85 on a scholarship. And yes, you can, if you miss on certain guys, you can go and maybe get transfers, but you can't miss a lot and have success. So you have to offer the right guys. And so how they evaluate is a little different. It's a little bit unique, but the difference is, you know, people say, well, why can't somebody take that plan and duplicate it? Well, it's not McDonald's, you know, McDonald's, they just open up a franchise. It doesn't matter if you're in Chicago or you're in new Orleans, the McDonald's burger is going to look the same, taste the same, cost the same. I think it costs the same. I don't know. Maybe it's more expensive than other areas. Bottom line, it's the same product. It's cookie cutter. That's not coaching. You can't go and say, get this guy from Saban staff, Belichick staff, and put him there, and that's going to work. Because you know why? Yeah, you can take everything that you learn and bring it to your place. But then when you've got to make adjustments, which you have to do daily on everything, and you are the one that just implements what the head coach says, and now you're the guy that's got to figure out how to make those changes and what those changes are and how you're going to do it, you no longer walk down the hall. You got you can't walk down the hall and say, how do I do this, coach? You, you've got to figure that out. So as I use the analogy, I think in the Bible it says, you know, give somebody fish, feed them for a day. Teach them how to fish, feed them for a lifetime. What you're looking for in a coach is somebody that can fish. Because somebody that can fish, you know, different places you need to go look, different lures, what have you. You got to know all that. You got to know how to fish. You know how to fish. You're going to be able to feed yourself and your family. That's often is what miss. You can be around people. Um, but it doesn't mean you're the same. Heck, I people who've listened to me know that it's right there in the early stages. Worked right there with Saban and Belichick in the staff meeting room. I I don't know why it wasn't like it was picked this way, but just happened. I'm sitting there directly to my right at the head of the table is Bill Belichick and directly across the table from me is Nick Saban. It's around there. I saw it. I still do a lot of consulting stuff for both. So I have a feel for how they do things. Doesn't mean I can do what they do. I'm not them. Um, I don't have that type of leadership quality. I don't have that. You know, I'm more of a grinder in terms of film. I do what I do. I've got limitations in areas. And bottom line, now, can I maybe help in the process? Yeah, you know, but I don't 
it's, you know, the people that get jobs, it's not that they're not good. It's just, you know, people will dismiss it as, well, that's just the result of somebody, you know, their success. Well, it is. Winning multiple Super Bowls, you know, being a part of it and doing my role, I'm grateful for that. I don't think it would have happened. While I think I contributed, I don't think I was, you know, without them. Now, I've had success with people outside of those. Um, you know, but I think that that serving a role is what you have to do. And and sometimes people take different roles. So a lot of it has been asked of, you know, why is it success? I think that is the reason why the consistent success is it's not the plan. It's, it's the plan that is put in place with the ability to evolve. For example, Nick Saban in his early stage of his career, great defenses, dominant defenses. They hold people down to minimal yards and points. They run the football, very manageable passing game. Um, not overly explosive, not a bunch of big plays, but they are able to win and win at the highest level and win titles doing it that way. Being able to see that the game of offense in college football and in football in general, but mainly in colleges, we're talking about it, where the rules are going to be so advantageous to the offense and disadvantageous to defensively. And I'm speaking of the RPOs and the blocking downfield that's not called. It is something that it's just, folks, for those of you who don't know, it's you cannot block. If you're um, blocking downfield, throwing the football, it's a penalty. It's illegal. But when it's a RPO, a run-pass option, it's not a pass. It's not a run. It's a could be a run, could be a pass. So it becomes a dilemma of they just don't call it in most cases, unless it's really egregious. So it's a huge advantage to the offense. That's not something that he liked or he believed in. He was a public about it. But adapt, and he did. Adapt or die, and he did. And he not only did it, I'm going to be the best at it, and I'm going to get somebody in here that can do that, but I'm going to modify and put a governor on certain things so that it doesn't completely lose our way in the other aspects of the game. So it started for him in bringing in Elaine Kiffin, who personality-wise wasn't wasn't the best fit for him, but the guy was really good and was out of coaching. He had just got let go by USC, had some time, came in, did some work, and again, it's it's an advantage for Lane. Lane needed to rebuild his profile, come in, benef- benefits Lane, benefits um, Nick. But there have been other guys, you know, whether it's Jimmy Mack and, you know, Brian Dayball. I mean, those guys won national titles too. So it's not about Lane. It's not about Sark, who was brought in. Lane convinced him, Nick, to hire him. And if you remember, it was Sark that took over for Lane when Lane started to go AWOL 
in the playoffs when he accepted the FAU job. And then, you know, Sark calls the plays in the game and, you know, they lose that game, national championship game. But then Sark stays, has success, goes to the Falcons and then comes back. You know, again, different guys come and go. But the bottom line is how he wants things to look, what he wants to take advantage of. He gives the blueprint of this is what you, this is what I want. This is what I, my expectations are, and this is how we need to do it. And he will be intimately involved on the people that are going to work under that guy to make it happen, and he holds them accountable. Defensively, he does all that and more. How they run defensively is the way he wants it. But how he plays defense is different. Remember the Mark Barons of the world, the safeties that he had, his critical factors. We talk about it all the time. Uh, at Landry Football. What are the critical factors for each position? I have that up on the website all the time of what you look for at each position. Well, the critical factors for a safety change. Well, it has to change. Your critical factors for each position has to be modified based upon what you are running, how you're running, how the game changes. So in, in all levels of football, if your safeties don't have cover skills that are corner-like, you're dead. Your safeties that play near the line of scrimmage, and there's some that are very effective, Jamal Adams, but if they can't cover, then they're really more like sub-package linebackers, which is fine, but they're limited in what they can do in coverage. There's certain things they can do covering underneath, but they're not deep cover guys. So the whole profile change, well, again, he adjusts that, modifies it, you recruits different type of guys. So everything down in the organization is about this is what we're looking for in this type of position. Uh, this is what we're going to do in the offensive line. They want big guys, but they need to have guys that are athletic, more effective in pass protection. If you're going to run spread and you're going to use the tight ends in the passing game, you better have guys that are not just great run blockers but have great foot quickness can be good pass protectors. All those things seems like a normal thing. It's one thing to say to do it, and it's another thing to be successful doing it. And he's done that very, very well. So now the question is, you know, is all the Alabama winning good for college football? In a sport where you pretty much know next year who's going to make the playoffs with within reason, uh, there's distinct advantages from the power programs and the ones that are not. You say, how do we get here, and how do we go there, and should we change it? What's the real key? First of all, again, I will tell you that when Nick Saban went to LSU and won his first title, there were no analysts. There were GAs, they were, you know, like you normally have. There wasn't these extra people. But as the rules allow you to do that, he's taken advantage of it. So people say – Alabama wins because they have all those staffs that can do all that. Well, that is an advantage. They're taking advantage of the rules, but they were winning before they had that. Now, you might say they get a lot more analysts that other programs can't afford to pay quite as much, and therefore the separation between them and others has grown. I think you'd be accurate in saying that. Now, it's important to understand that they just didn't throw the money 
at the problem or they, they basically Saban built a power which generate massive amounts of money in which they rightfully so put back in the program. Um, it's not like they're just, you know, they're taking money from somewhere and, and putting it. No, they, they're, they're generating. The one thing I'm, I'm not quite sure I've ever understood, but it is real. The facts are there. Success in football has so much positive effect on a campus. It is the front door of your university. The enrollment at Alabama has gone up exponentially since Saban's been the head coach. And like the money that's been put into the engineering program and the nursing program and so on and so forth, just incredible. It has become, it has gone from a, I don't know where they were ranked academically to moving way up. So the university attracting better professors and things, more money, more money, what I call auxiliary money that's coming in, that's making them more successful. It's, you, you know, it's something that in the short time he was at LSU happened with Mark Emmert as the chancellor there. So it does have an effect, but there's tons of money that are generated by the football program so that they don't have to make cuts there because they've, they've made a lot of money in the past. And even though in this COVID year, it's not been the normal amount for anybody, they can still sustain it. Um, I don't know how, I, feel, I mean, it's one of these things that, they have an advantage. People will say, we'll put a limit on what you can spend and whatnot. I think if you did that, I still think you'd win. I still think if you say you can only have X amount of coaches, I don't think it would change. Um, I'd still think the guy that does the best job of evaluating, the best job of recruiting, the best job of developing and strategizing would win. Now, would he maybe have just won a seventh title or maybe it might only be four or five. I don't know, but I still think he's pretty successful. It is something that's been thrown out there a lot. I know a lot of people believe on, and I don't know that, look, is it good for college football? If it's bad, I, you know, I think there's a lot of it. A lot of people say expanding the playoffs, more people are in it. Do that. Well, look, I, I'm kind of of the mind and, and I've said this for a while, um, have the bowl games, make the bowl games meaningful, and then pick the four teams after that. I think you'd have more teams that would have a way to impress and play their way in because, you know, you could have a Notre Dame a and You could have a Cincinnati play, a, a Georgia or someone else, and earn their way potentially for a slot, but they really don't have a chance. So whatever, whoever you're trying to make a case for getting in there, you'd have a better chance of, of getting that done if you had that. The, the way they're going to go eventually is expanding the playoffs. Well, expanding the playoffs is not going to get you any different result. The same teams that end up playing in the final game are going to be the same teams if you had an 18 playoff or 16-team playoff. But one thing that would happen is you'd have the chance for maybe some great playoff games. So maybe – the championship game may or may not be that good. And we know a lot of them haven't been that good. Some of them have been. George Alabama was great. We've seen some Clemson Alabama games be really good. But I get it. A lot of the semifinals and finals haven't been very good. Um, we saw a blowout by Ohio State over Clemson, a 
blowout by Alabama over Notre Dame and a blowout by Alabama over Ohio State. Has a lot to do with the ratings, and maybe it's the same teams, and maybe it's the fact that it's non-competitive games. However, if you did have the playoffs, you'd have some memorable games. I don't like to com- I do compare college and NFL in some instances, and others I don't think it's apropos. But you know, some of the best playoff games are not the Super Bowls. For years, the Super Bowl. I mean, sometimes it's good, but for a long time, the Super Bowl was just you know, they're just, you never know what you're going to get. Could be a blowout game. But some of the best games you remember are the great playoff games. I mean, you think about, uh, I don't know, uh, the Dolphins Chargers playoff game in 82. Neither one of those teams went to the Super Bowl, much less won it. But it was a really good game. Memorable. It's always great when it's the Super Bowl and it's a great game, but you know, expanding it, would it change a lot? Um, I think they're all interesting dialogues. Um, I think there's always going to be a problem in college. As I said, college is very difficult because it's the only business you can have to where in order to operate the two money-making sports is to have approximately 18 other sports. And that varies program to program, conference to conference that either lose money or maybe have two or three that break even. I know that college hockey, women's basketball and baseball, depending on where, can do okay none really make a lot there are a few that will pay all the expenses for that particular sport and maybe put a little bit in the bank but they're not contributing to the overall success of the other programs football and basketball does it's difficult not many people can operate in that um i do think that if you look at the ratings of the championship game well College football is not as popular as the NFL. I mean, the NFL will draw 100 million, the Super Bowl will draw 100 million people. College championship game, 18 million. Even a great one won't challenge it. It's, it's, uh, I don't know why that is. There are theories, fantasy football, gambling. I mean, gambling's in college football too. Uh, but there is more interest in the NFL. Always has been, I don't want to say always will be. Certainly, it's been that way for a long time. Um, there are probably some things that college football could do better and improve upon. I think that um, I would like to see more programs be in a position to put more into it. Personally, I like having a lot of people involved as analysts and whatnot. I wish more people can do that. I say that as a football guy, as someone that understands the important. It's just like I I like having more opportunities for players to play, coaches to coach, scouts to scout, administrators to administer, um, officials to officiate. <clears throat> I think the more opportunities we have that, the better. So I would not want to cut job opportunities for people, but I recognize that there is a distinct advantage when you have a lot more people involved. Now, 
there's certainly limits to what you can do on the field, but yet it is not modified or monitored, not modified, not monitored as well. So while you may not be on the field, do you really know that for certain? Do you, there's a lot you can do to help the preparation, even if you're not on the field in a practice environment coaching. That could be a tremendous asset. A lot of people that can work specifically on things. In the, the modern-day world of information technology, you can put a lot of things that can help you in preparing for upcoming opponents, in quality control, analyzing your team, uh, evaluating what other programs are doing, looking at different things, having an own department, an own person that does nothing but study personnel and other college programs for potential transfers. There are a lot more things you can do. And if you have a lot more personnel to do it, it can be a lot better. And and certainly when you can go in and say, if you come to a place like Alabama and you spend four years there, you're going to win two national titles. How do you know that? Because that's been the average. That's pretty much what's going to happen. Um, so those are some interesting things. Um, I don't know where, like I said, where the changes are going to come. I do think uh, having the money and having more people, you're seeing a lot of people now that have analysts. Everybody's got analysts and everybody's paying people a lot more in important positions. I'm happy for that. I'd like to see more people be able to do that and more opportunities for revenue streams. Um, but I do recognize that whatever the circumstances are, the most successful programs are successful because they have not only the means, but they have the know-how to do it. I- I'll say this. There is an assumption that, okay, well, Alabama has it. Well, I don't think it's Alabama. I think it's Alabama with Saban. Saban steps aside. I don't care who comes in. They're not going to win seven titles in 12 years. I mean, it just, in fact, you won't have a coach last that long. There'll probably be two or three coaches in that time frame. And I'm not saying that they won't win a title or be in a – sure they will. You're going to see the landscape different. Let me say this too. Uh, Georgia, for example. Georgia has more analysts and more staff than Alabama does. It hasn't resulted in the same level of success. Now, do they have as many guys like the the Charlie Strongs, um, the Mike Stoops, the Bill O'Briens, people, do they have got not as many of those guys because Georgia hasn't had quite the success. And Saban, the old sage, 69 years old, is different than the 30-something Kirby Smart, who's respected and liked, but, you know, you understand that that is something that that is a draw. And let me remind you that it's not – Alabama doesn't pay these guys very much money. Like, so Butch Jones. Butch Jones just got his last check from Tennessee. Well, he timed it up. He stayed in a non-on-field position at Alabama and got paid by Tennessee. It's making like 30 grand from Alabama. Well, you know, there are a lot of programs 
at some older levels that can pay 30 grand to a number of guys. But how many of them would Butch Jones want to go to any other place other than with Nick Saban? It doesn't mean as much. You, you're not going to enhance your profile as much if it's under somebody that's not Nick Saban. You're just not. I mean, it it will it would benefit you to go to Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley. It would benefit you to go uh, for Kirby Smart. It would benefit you to go with Dabo Sweeney. Sure, it would. Not as much as it does to Nick Saban. So is the advantage completely money? Well, I'm going to tell you, the money that they put for analysts is not as exorbitant as you think because they get such a break with so many guys making so little money because they're drawing money due to buyouts at other places. They can get basically a doctorate in coaching and get paid a little bit of money on top of their money and don't that they're getting paid somewhere else. And it's an offset. So you might have somebody that gets paid 60,000 that you might think this guy's get paid 60 and that guy 30. Cause that guy making 30 is getting, you know, a, 2 million a year for another three years from somebody else. That's a buyout. So he can orchestrate that better. Well, that's great. If you can do that, why can you do that? Cause they want to come there. And why do they want to come there? Cause you've built something that is unique and special. Not the only one. Urban Meyer, Dabble's done it. Other places have done it, but it's all world at Alabama. You take away Nick Saban, I'm not saying that you're going to have completely different teams. What I'm saying is you're not going to have the dominant Alabama. So dominant to the degree that they have it. So interesting. All right, let's get into some questions. Really appreciate Kev Calargo. Um, is it Liza Elfos? Hey, I appreciate that. That's a new signing name. Appreciate you, Kev Calargo, Rock. Well, let's get to some of the questions and some of the comments. Appreciate you, Kev, cheering us on to 100. Uh, reminder, if you want to watch this show live and you're listening to us on tape, join us over in Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. You can watch us live and contribute. Um, you can also listen to this podcast by going to LandryFootball.com, and that's where you want to go to get all the inside information and analysis that we have over um, in the game of college and pro football. Um, let's see if I can get this. Um, uh, is, is Bama going to have an elite defense next year? Seems like almost everyone's returning besides the corners. They'll be really good. But remember this, an elite defense is defined differently. A great defense is defined differently. A good defense is defined differently than in the past. See, this Alabama defense is pretty good. I thought it was really good in the championship game. They gave up 24 points. Well, that's not elite, Chris. Elite is holding people to three and seven points. The only way you're holding people to that amount, and Alabama did it this year, is to teams that don't have good offenses. If you're going to run a lot of quick pace, a lot of high-flying offense yourself, your defense is going to be on the field more, and your defense is going to give up more points. The greater emphasis, I mean, just like there's an advantage to be taken by Alabama running a certain type of offense, so is everybody else doing it. So they gave up a ton of points to Ole Miss. They were able to just get better defensively. But the days of, you know, okay, you want to go back to the 92 defense and it, it shut people out. Well, they shut people out because they ran the football, couldn't throw it. They did they just they didn't try to throw it. It was dominant run, dominant defense. That's how you play then. You don't play that way now because 
rule advantages are different. What you're going to see is a lot of guys coming back on defense. Christian Miller's coming back. There's a lot of guys. They'll be better. Remember, they're better this year than last year defensively because they've had a, played a lot of young guys the year before, so they were better this year. They also had better breaks health-wise. They're losing some guys, but they're replacing a lot of guys. Um, they'll be good. Now, offensively, retooling the offensive line, by the way, um, we'll see what will happen. Um, Jeff Stoutland may return as the offensive line coach at Alabama to replace Kyle Flood is off to Texas with Sarkeesian. Um, the offense will it'll look different. Quarterback play is going to be a little bit different, a little bit more run, quarter, more quarterback in the run game. I don't know that they'll be as proficient in the passing game, but I think they'll still be good. They'll still run RPOs. I think with Bill O'Brien, they'll run uh, a little more power out of spread sets. I think they'll do things. They'll be successful offensively. They won't be as dominant. So maybe if they run more, uh, they'll they'll rely a little bit more on their defense. But but good, yes. Um, elite, I don't know that they'll be elite. If they are elite, they're still not holding peop- good offenses to – to seven, 10 points. It just, it doesn't happen in today's game anymore. Um, Kev Gallardo says to me, it's simple. I have no issue with Alabama being so dominant because the program is clean and saving is doing things the right way. If the program was doing things that were unethically legal, then I'd have a problem now. Yeah. Um, Rock Westfall. Yes. Patricia Quinn and Pioli were real men. OG genie. Um, he's talking about bringing people from the tree and thinking that it's going to bear the same fruit. You would be a better guest host of Jeopardy. Oh, I don't. I could not do that. That uh, that is definitely not my. What about hard caps on budgets and staff? Well, you could do that. Um, the problem getting that done is who's going to agree to do that. See, here's here's the issue, and this goes back to a different discussion, Rock. You don't have a college football leader that can implement that. You think the SEC and the money that they make, that they're going to vote for that? You know, probably not. Why would we want to do that? Um, You know, that's, you don't have that in the NFL. You don't have a hard cap or budgets on staff in the NFL either. Um, And some spend a lot. More. I mean, there's a lot more assistance. Um, you know, the Patriots have less staff than most. That's how Belichick does it. Um, it, it, it. It could have an effect, but again, just what I said, it's a lot more than that. And again, is it going to stop? I would say the biggest reason why, and I think people throw in, well, he gets all those former head coaches. Again, I'm going to go back to what I just said. They're not paying those head coaches any money at all. Very little money. Doesn't amount to much. Those guys are going there because of the success and because of the way Nick Saban can help their career. And they're going there and being paid by somebody else in an analyst role, in a different role. So, and some Bill O'Brien going to go there, be a coordinator. But again, he got paid the money. There's no offset in his deal. 
Houston. So he gets paid his money, full money. That's what works in the NFL. And he can double dip. College guys, there's usually offsets. Some contracts are not offset. So my point is, you can have a hard cap in budget. Alabama could do exactly what they're doing in less budget than your Wisconsin team can do it because they can get people to work for nothing. I mean, Wisconsin can afford to pay, you know, Charlie Strong, uh, Mike Stoops, Butch Jones. Not now, Butch. I know his love for head. They could they could pay those guys thirty grand, forty grand. They could pay them sixty grand. Those guys are not going to go there because, you know, Wisconsin's a nice program, good. You can get guys to go there, but the guys that we're talking about, you want to go and work for Saban as hard as it is to work for him and it's demanding, you're going to learn something that you're not going to learn anywhere else. It's like going to, it's like getting into the best program you can get for whatever discipline you're learning. So I get it. Would it have an effect? Yes. It would not solve all the problems because, again, what you're missing in that is the money that's being paid to these type of guys you're talking about or money that's been paid from their previous employee. Alabama is paying a lot. In Alabama, still their budget for staff is more than most. So, yes, it would have an effect. Would it have as much of an effect that you think? No, because they're not paying some of these guys $250,000 to be an analyst. They're getting paid somewhere else. So that, that's that's something to keep in mind. Uh, the blame lies with the programs that are capable but aren't getting it done. Oklahoma, Texas, USC, Florida State. Yeah. Yeah, well, Florida State doesn't have a ton of money. USC does. Texas does. Texas, yeah. Anybody can pay more money than Texas? Anybody that can put together the staff as good as Texas can? I just said. Georgia has more people on staff than anybody. Are they doing it just as well? No. They're not doing it as well. It's not everything. Now, you can say that Georgia has an advantage over a lot of programs. They do. Are they more successful than a lot of programs? Yeah, they are. But they're not they're not the not the only thing there. It's a good point. And I think to Rock's point, I think maybe need to look at certain things. I'm for that. I'm okay with that. I'm good with that. Maybe making limitations. They 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 cut limitations. How many guys can wear headsets on the sidelines? Because they had all those guys too. And they were, you know, that was a considered a advantageous on game day. But I do think they're things that give you an advantage. And I do think they have more. But they have more, and I think budget could help you. But then how do you account for the fact, again, somebody that's making $3 million from a school that fired him and is making thirty grand extra from Alabama? Well, that's only thirty grand under the budget. And you're having to hire an analyst for sixty or 75000 that's maybe half as qualified as the guy that they can hire for thirty. That's that's the crux of the issue. So the success of Saban, people wanting to – I mean, you look, if you put another coach at Alabama, they're not – you're not getting all these ex-coaches that want to go there and work for the next guy. 
just it's not. It's not the same. Uh, it's not the same level. It, it it it's doable, but doing it for Saban or Meyer is different. Appreciate Liz. Uh, great, excellent. Appreciate you you being given O'Brien success winning those division titles. It seems extreme that we'd have to rehab his career by being an offensive coordinator in college. Is he criticized? Uh, to, yes, for his GM errors. Yes. Bill O'Brien, I can tell you, involved in a lot of coaching search work. I brought him up to a number of colleges. They're not, you know, again, people that are making these decisions, they think, oh, man, he got fired at Houston. Negative publicity. They buy into all that stuff. Bill O'Brien's an outstanding coach. What he did at Penn State was phenomenal. And what he did as an assistant coach coming up was phenomenal in college and the NFL. Um, And the guy... You just mentioned Ty, one hell of a coach with the Texans did a really good job. There's no question. He screwed up the GM, but, but people don't see that. They see baby out with the bathwater, the key. It's like evaluating a player. People say that all the time. I can't do this. He can't do that. Learned this a long time ago from Bill Belichick. In fact, Nick Saban and I both learned it. And Saban had a hard time understanding this. Saban was not always a great evaluator of talent. He developed that. That's another thing that makes him special. Saban was the type we'd go out on scouting trips in the spring and he didn't like this guy. He didn't, he didn't like anybody. He, this, it was always what he couldn't do. And Belichick was always what can the guy do? Belichick was ahead of the time on situational football. So when no one else can figure out what the hell to do with an undersized nose guard from Arizona. He was the one that said, when I read my scouting report, glowingly about this guy's instincts, toughness, reaction skills, work ethic, quickness. He's the one that said to me, well, if you like him that much, Chris, why can't he play linebacker? And he was asking me about Teddy Bruschi. He's never played a coach. Did you work him out there? No, sir. Uh, you need to go get your ass out there and work him out. Yes, sir. And we did it. And, you know, you get a lot of that. You got to, with a coach, what can the guy do well? Bill O'Brien's not going to run the Alabama program. Bill O'Brien wants to learn. I think that's maybe what people are missing. Bill O'Brien has been in touch with Alabama. I know because I've talked with him long before the last couple of weeks. He's been studying and learning. He wants to go there to learn and kind of round out his game a little bit. Learn maybe some things. He's a good coach. He's an outstanding coach. Um. I think you'll do well. Uh, most people do well there. Um, he'll have talent. He's not going to. Is the guy qualified for the job you're going to hire him for? I just, I, I, I'm amazed by the ignorance when people say things like, oh, you should have seen him like this, this Kevin Steele. They'll say things. Well, he wasn't good when he was a head coach at Bill. Well, that's freaking eons ago. Do you think guys get better and learn and get, you know, there's a, there's a, 
you know, what is the role? Some guys are really good coordinators, a really good position coach, is a really good fit. Well, he sure didn't do a good job when he was the head coach. It's a different job. They're all different jobs. Understanding what a guy can do and how he can contribute is the key. People don't really see that because people don't know. If you don't work in the business, if you've never coached, you don't know how the hell they evaluate a coach. You just can look at the results and see, all right, well, then he's not good because it happened. You don't know what created the result. It's just like evaluating a player. What's his stats? What did he did? I saw him in this game. You're not a trained eye looking at the skill set and the transferable skills. So I agree with you. You you hit it there. Um, he's criticized for being a GM, and rightly so. He screwed that up. You know, regardless why it happened, whatever, it blew up in him, and it cost him his job. You can sit there and say, I don't want him because he traded away DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, you know, that, that has nothing to do with calling plays and putting together an offense under the a structure that we want at Alabama. That's that's how you have to look at it. So Spartan Parton uh, said, uh, let's say um, here in 100. Thank you, Spartan. What went wrong at South Florida for Holtz and Strong at South Florida? Seems like a place wired for AAC success. You know, um, first of all, you got to remember something. South Florida was in when they had success under Jim Levitt. They were in the Big East, and they caught they had a really good team, a couple of good teams that were, you know, you didn't have a lot of teams in it, and they weren't they were in a Big East, which at that time, if you remember, that was considered kind of a a power six, even though they weren't really powerful, still pretty good. And so, you know, remember the year Rutgers was really good and, and South Florida was right there. Um, so there is a perception that whether that's what they can be. But when you drop down to a non-power five level, remember all these coaches were coaching at a non-power five level. Now, your point is probably why can't they be Cincinnati? Why can't they be as good as Central Florida was a few years ago? And and they could be, and they should be. They haven't done as good a job. Um, Skip has done a good job at Louisiana Tech, but I think getting it to that higher level is is a little bit beyond Skip. Charlie, Charlie, I think um, I don't know if the timing was really good there, but I think same thing. I think Charlie. The best job Charlie ever did was was at Louisville as a head coach. Wasn't there at Texas long-term, but had he stayed longer, it wouldn't have gotten appreciably better. Um, the, the answer is they've not been able to get enough good players. They were able to recruit at a little bit different level when they were in the Big East. Not as the recruiting hasn't been as good since. I also think it has to do with the fact that Central Florida has been good, and I think that's hurt them a little bit. They, by comparison, hadn't been that. That's the program you want to compare them to. From a locale standpoint, they haven't done as good a job. It's recruiting, and I think it has been development. Neither one of them did as good a job as you would expect because they should be better. There's no question they could be along the lines of what a Central Florida could be. Central Florida took a step back as well. Goes to show you, you can have things going. But if you don't do it as well, year in and year out, you drop, right? Even at that level, 
got it going. That's the program in that conference and all this consistency. Can you do it all the time? That what makes Alabama so impressive. The Charlie Strong demise was a huge surprise to me after his success at Louisville. Well, he did a good job there getting a lot of it as program. Good defensive coordinator. Team was well coached, but he also had some talent there too. I think his ability to recruit at the highest level, big time level, is not quite as good. Yet he acquired some talent and he coached it better than the previous administration at Louisville. But the longer he was there, uh, you know, and again, he got the job based upon his success at Louisville, but probably wouldn't have sustained it due to recruiting reasons. Um, Judy Genshaft <laughs> deprioritized the program. Well, there's no question. I think that's a good point, and I didn't even bring that out. There's a good reason why when you don't put the emphasis on it, that's also a factor. Where do you see potential future for Strong? Is he in any head coaching, uh, a de- defensive coordinator uh, possibilities? But again, um, in a position where he's got some money coming to him, again, he's in one of those reclamation projects for for um, for Nick Saban. So those are some good questions and good thoughts. Hey, over to the NFL. Was uh, Hope you enjoyed the exciting weekend that was the wild card weekend. Um, as you had triple header Saturday, triple header Sunday. Some people think that this is the best weekend in the NFL with the double header Saturday and Sunday games. Certainly in terms of quality, you've got to say so. Uh, now I don't know the quality of the games. Um, that remains to be seen, <clears throat> but the quality of the teams, you've got the two top seeds playing and you've got the winners from last week. So, You've got everybody that's earned it to this point ready to go. Um, and looking at it last week, uh, as you, for those of you that are members of Landry football, you kind of know and see the breakdowns. Not really surprised that Indianapolis gave Buffalo a, a run. Not overly surprised that the Rams was able to play right with Seattle. And, of course, Tampa beating Washington. Thought Saints would beat Chicago. And I thought Baltimore, Tennessee was a toss-up. It was Cleveland beating Pittsburgh. That was the one surprise. Um, There's no question about it. Um, It is something that I don't know uh, that they're going to be able to replicate this week. But they just jump right into it. I think that their success last week is well-earned respect for what they were able to do, but it coincides with the Steelers really limping into the playoffs. They they struggled big time and yet still made some moves to get back in the game. That concerns me as I know. Um, do you see Kev Kilarga says he Chubb and Hunt having a big day in Cleveland? I don't know about a big day. They're going to have to. They're going to have to run the football. And I'm sure that's why you asked them the question. They're going to have to have success there uh, running the football. They're going to have to limit Kansas City's possessions. The problem is Cleveland's going to have to be really sharp. They're, they're going to have to capitalize, get some points, maybe not to the degree of which they did against Pittsburgh. That's almost unheard of. Need to get a lead. They need, need to be able to run the football. They're going to need to limit the possessions of the Chiefs. The problem is holding leads for them has been precarious. 
and you don't really hold the lead against Kansas City. Kansas City's not played their best ball. I don't know what we're I, – I think I know what we're going to see of Kansas City. I think we're going to see a sharp, explosive Chiefs team. But if they are a little bit slow starting, and let's remind everybody that they slow started in the playoffs last year, still wasn't enough they came back. I just don't see Kansas City being able to exert enough of their will running the football on Kansas City and score enough to have a safe enough lead. I thought they scored enough to have enough of a lead against Pittsburgh to hold on. You just, you just, you hold on almost. Um, to a point against Kansas City, but you can be up by 14 points in the fourth quarter with 10 minutes left, and you're just waiting for Kansas City because you know Kansas City is going to come back and win it. Uh, they do it time and time again, and they've you know done it maybe in almost a way this during the regular season where it's so many one-possession games, which you just get the feel that if they had played their best, their A game, that it wouldn't be close to one possession games. We will seen big blowouts. I just don't see much of a chance for, for Cleveland, Kansas City going into it. Um, but we start off with the Rams in Green Bay. And a couple of things I'm looking for here is along the same lines, Brandon Staley has done a great job with this defense, defense coordinator of the Rams, and that's why he's getting a lot of play for head coaching openings. Phenomenal job. Got your hands full against this Green Bay offense in Aaron Rodgers. That's also potent. Um, their ability to be able to make explosive plays with Aaron Rodgers is is really special. The Rams have held opponents over the year to 17 touchdown passes. Devontae Adams has had 18 by himself. Something's got to give. Um, Green Bay defense is hung in there. Can they hold up against the run? This is going to have to be a run-focused, great game plan for Sean McVay for the Rams to pull an upset on the road. Um, unlikely, but wouldn't completely dismiss it. Um, going to integrate some questions here as I go with this. So I'm going to jump around a little bit just based upon your your question. Spartan Martin says, how do you expect the Big Ten teams to respond in 2021 to their embarrassing 2020 season? Look, I mean, it's going to be better, I would think, for everybody. Everybody's going to have a better chance to develop their teams and their programs because they'll have spring practice. They'll have a summer practice leading into the fall. And so that was the biggest issue. It's still going to be Ohio State, the team to beat. And we'll see if anybody can mount a charge that's even close to them. I don't think the gap between Ohio State and the rest of the Big Ten is what it is in the ACC. But it's really time for the Michigans, the Penn States, to really see if they can do something. I think Indiana did a really good job. But Indiana couldn't have been as successful if those other programs had not, by comparison, not done as good. I think the West is still good, but not at the level of where, say, Ohio State is. Nobody is where Ohio State is, so we'll see. Um, let's see, Spartan Martin Brady, uh, Breeze versus Brady matchup. We're going to get into that. Um, yes, but I'm not. I'm looking at the Todd Bowles versus Sean Payton. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, these matchups in a second. 
So the second game on Saturday is the Ravens and Buffalo. Look, this Buffalo team is playing going into the playoffs as good as anybody in terms of a full, well-rounded setup. They're playing good defensively. They're running the football well. Josh Allen is outstanding. And, you know, there again, people throwing dirt on him. He's no good, what have you. What, what a, he has gotten so much better. They've got big playability, add a big weapon in digs. Uh, they, can, they can hurt you. Baltimore can't get behind. That's their bugaboo. They just can't work being a pass first team. But they're dangerous if they get out ahead and they can control the game. They're capable of going on the road and beating Buffalo. They are. They get behind, and they'll get beat, and they'll get beat double digits. It's, to me, an intriguing game because it's a style matchup, and we'll see who can exert their will on the other. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Certainly would be a huge disappointment for um, the Bills fans if they were to lose um, this early. But Baltimore is a little bit on a mission. There's no doubt they heard a lot of they can't win in the playoffs, they can't win the big game. Um, they want to maybe make that run that last year at 14-2, and two, people thought they would. We'll see. It's going to be real interesting. Cleveland, Kansas City, I touched on it. I Look, I, I it was a big win last week for Cleveland. I think we all know what a big upset this would be. It's not just a six seed. It's a, it's a team that's good in Cleveland against a team that's the favorite in Kansas City. Uh, can it happen? Uh, would it be the biggest upset I've ever seen? No, but it would be huge. It would be big. And then we end up with the game that I think, and the TV networks put it on this way, Brady and the Bucks against the Saints. Saints win two times this year. Clearly better. Both the times they played, it wasn't really close. In breaking down the tape, the Saints were better. The issue is how much better has the Bucks have the Bucks gotten? Well, they have gotten better. They absolutely have gotten better. Is it good enough for them to win here? That's what we're going to find out. Uh, the real keys, I think the Saints' defense has been really good. Tough to run on, which has been a big part of the Bucks' success. Going to have to be able to run the football. The Saints have been very good against the run. And they forced some turnovers because they forced Brady. They, they put pressure on Brady. And they forced some bad throws, particularly in difficult down and distance situations. So can Brady's offense, which is playing better, crack the code against the Saints defense? I think on the other side, I think there's some legitimate questions of how sharp would this Saints offense be? The Saints offense has been able to, when they're good, run the football well. They they were not sharp offensively. Let the Bears hang around a little bit more um, than you you would think they they should and would against the Bears. Kamara's practicing this week. It's about the running game for the Saints. It really is because everything and having Michael Thomas making plays in the passing game, but being able to control the game, the run game, setting things up is is critical. Um, look, let's call it what it is. The Saints in the playoffs, have not been able to finish teams off. They've not been able to 
to put teams away. You know, they had the the, the controversy over the bad call, no call against the Rams was real. But they had chances to put that Rams team away, and I thought they were better than the Rams, and and they didn't they didn't finish. Lost to the uh, to the Vikings a couple of times in the in the Minnesota Miracle game on the road, and then they lost to them at home last year. Not putting teams away. It's been a pattern. This is one in which I don't buy the whole. You can't beat it. It's tough to beat a team three times in a row. It's tough if the teams are equal. If you're if you're really better than the other team, it's not that big of a deal. And statistically, they win the majority of the time. You win the third time as well. But when teams are pretty close, it's difficult because make some make adjustments. Now, Sean Payton will have a different game plan based upon how he thinks the Bucs are playing now. I'm curious to see how much better the Bucs are. Can they win with Brady on the road? We know that's going to be the storyline. It's probably um, Breeze's swan song um, this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I think this, this is going to be, be a great game. going to be fun to watch and see how this plays out. It's close enough in a game like this to where it will be tough for the Saints to beat the Bucs, but mainly because, to me, the Bucs are playing better. If the Bucs play the way they did the last two times they played, it ain't going to be a problem. The Saints will win this game, and the matchup is going to be along the lines of the first two. I just think the Bucs are going to play it a little bit differently, and the key is going to be their success or lack thereof in running the football. That's what it's going to really come down to. A uh, couple of things uh, before we uh, end on out. And by the way, all the latest coaching search news, check the notebooks daily over at LandryFootball.com. We're usually about 24 hours ahead of when the news breaks out. So it's a good it's a good lesson for you. Worth the, the price of admission just on that if you like following the coaching search stuff. The film room breakdowns, we've got that for you. Um, all the recruiting inside information, transfer portal, uh, working on simultaneously the, the breakdown of the teams of the four the playoff games this weekend, uh, also working on getting out uh, the top free agents in the class as we start the next um, uh, calendar year for the, the business season of the NFL, breaking down a college roster. So we got it all for you there. So check out, still got our holiday discount going over at LandryFootball.com. So take advantage of it. Um, Rock Westfall asks, is the Packer defense really that much better than in 2019? It's better. Yes, it's better. A lot better? No. I mean, parsing, you know, the the, the key is um, when they're able to run the football well, their defense has been a little bit fresher. They're a little bit better getting off block, a little bit better playing up front. I still think they're vulnerable against really good run teams. We're going to see a challenge because if the Rams can't get it done um, and let's say the Saints win – Saints on the road, running the football with Kamara would be would be a real interesting test. Um, uh, so uh, how has Winston progressed this season? I'm assuming you're talking about Jameis Winston. Look, uh, he hasn't played enough. Uh, Sean tells me he's done really well in practice. Um, that's the best I can give you there. And Spartan Martin asks, is Ryan Day going to the NFL? Uh, no. I have no indications that he is headed to the NFL. And I don't know if you um, heard us at the top. Hopefully you did. If you didn't, check it out at the top. It is looking like um, that we're going to have um, 
new um news around urban meyer i'm i'm checking my notes here uh, an email that i got i uh, watch while i'm uh, stammering a little bit looks like urban meyer is gonna get a deal done with jacksonville i've said all along i didn't think it was gonna happen and it might be a uh go to the altar and fall apart at the end situation so i'm not gonna believe it till it's done but i sent a tweet out you can follow my twitter account at landry football that uh, i have been told that uh they pretty much wrapped up a deal we shall see you know, I, again, I will see it when I believe it, but it looks like they're going to get a deal done. So check that out as well. Uh, Kyle Flood is going to uh, Texas, leaving Alabama staff to go with Sark. Um, also, uh, look for Jeff Banks, the um, special teams coordinator, to head to Texas uh, as assistant head coach, special teams coach, coach tight ends as well. So a promotion for him. Those are two. I'm guessing Holman Wiggins is going to stay since Texas um, is going to keep Andre Coleman as wide receiver coach. All the latest information in our notebook, all the latest information on LandryFootball.com. So check it out. Also, be sure that you check us out here on the Landry Football Podcast next week at this time, um, as we always uh, enjoy being with you. Appreciate the folks at Radio Influence bringing it to you as well. So uh, enjoy the football games. Uh, Follow us over at LandryFootball.com and on Twitter. We'll keep you up to date with all the latest in the world of football. Appreciate you. Have a great one. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.